Before you go any further, look below and click the subscribe button. Hello, everyone. This is Melissa Ambrose with Savvy, the business podcast. Thank you for joining us. Today, we are uh, on with someone else that I have found on social media. You know how I love social media and I, you know, stalk people, see what they're doing, seeing what's going on. And I have met someone else. (laughs) So we're going to jump right in. I'm going to read a little bit of her bio, welcome her in, and then you know how we do it. We're just going to jump right in. We're on with Deandra Wardell. Um, She is a visionary leader, problem solver, organizer, motivational speaker, and owner of Onto the Next One Consulting, LLC. She also coaches individuals and organizations in achieving sustaining transformative change. Her specialties include empowering and developing individuals and groups toward achieving their personal and professional goals. Through strategy and alignment workshops, operationalizing diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility in the workplace through continuous improvement, methodologies to foster psychologically safe environments where work groups and individuals thrive. Deandra has a diverse professional background. Her former roles include Chief Strategy Officer at the American College of Sports Medicine and Director of Performance Excellence for a global leader in the paper packaging industry. While working in the performance excellence space, she and her team led continuous improvement projects for more than 70 facilities in North America, Europe, and Asia. In addition, Deandra has also worked as a corporate trainer, project manager, human resources manager, banking manager, and has held various operations management roles. She is a graduate of Western Kentucky University. Deandra possesses a Bachelor of Arts degree in corporate and organizational communications. She has also pursued leadership studies at the Louisville Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and earned her coach certification from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. Deandra possessed purpose is to help organizations, groups, and individuals overcome obstacles and achieve their grandest visions and goals, one step at a time. Deandra's current passion project is the Root Cause Racism Movement, a global initiative to end systematic racism and advance social injustice through the application of continuous improvement. Wow. Welcome, Deandra. How are you this morning? I am well. So great to be on with you, Melissa. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. So, I mean, as I'm going through this bio and reading all these different things, you know, it was like, okay, now on to the next. You have done a lot. (laughs) And so this is truly an on to the next experience. I mean, wow. Um, it's so many things that you have in here with, you know, uh, putting yourself in front of 
all these different groups and organizations. But what I really want to, you know, jump straight into and for you to tell us a little bit more about and how you started this is the root cause racism. What is that and what prompted you to start? Okay, sure. So, um, this hashtag root cause racism started out as a hashtag on my social media post. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was in corporate America, as, as most people are, you have to be careful with your social media. So mm-hmm. I pushed the envelope a little bit more in expressing my concern and frustration with what you know, what I was saying in the world as it relates to, um, you know, police brutality, Mm -hmm. um, just different injustices, inequities that specifically black and brown people deal with. Mm -hmm. And so considering that I have a continuous improvement background, um, a lot of the issues that I would say, it's like the same thing over and over. It may be a different name after the hashtag, Mm -hmm. but it was the same situation. And I would pose the question of, why are we still seeing these issues of people being gunned down in cold blood without, you know, it's, it's judge, jury conviction on the streets of America. Um, different things that we would see as it relates to inequity in healthcare, uh, things I would hear about in the workplace, different inequities and, and injustices. And I would just pose these different questions and then concluded with, you know, a challenge to my followers of we need to hashtag root cause racism, meaning getting to the root cause of, of these different plights and inequities that we would see and figure out what can we do? What would be one small step that we can take to reverse, you know, what it is we were seeing? And so as time progressed and the different hashtags continue to, to become more prevalent. And the thing about it is with each murder, I would see myself or a family member or a loved one. So for example, like when um, the situation with Sandra Bland, when she was, when she was mm-hmm. murdered, um, she had just relocated to a new city, starting a new job and was stopped because she neglected to turn on her turn signal. At that same time, I was in the process of relocating to a new state, starting a new company, uh, starting with a new company, needing to find a new place to live, get a new driver's license and all those other type things. And I just remembered all that I was going through as I was going through this transition to move. And I just imagined how many times when I was out driving, did I forget to turn my turn signal on? You know, and could that have been me? And then, um, you know, and then there were just other stories, but the two stories that just, or two murders that really shook me to my core um, was George Floyd. And I never watched the video. I mean, that uh, shook, I think that shook everybody. <laughs> it shook everyone. Yeah. And, and what upset me most is how he narrated his own death, crying for his mm. mother. And um, that weekend after his murder, I was scheduled to go home because it was my birthday weekend. And I remember um, I was holding my great nephew, baby Jay, the love of my life, the apple of my eye. And he had fell asleep on my chest. And as he was sleeping, I was thinking at some point in time, 
George Floyd was a little baby. You know, his aunt was holding him. His mother was holding him. And I just remember just squeezing baby Jay so tightly, like, you know, I never want anything to happen. I don't want, I don't want anything adverse to happen to him in general, but especially because of the color of his skin. And then being from Louisville, Kentucky, um, the other murder that really, really shook me and continues to upset me is Breonna Taylor. And, you know, people, as they recant that story, they say that she was murdered in her sleep. That is not true. She was awakened and had time to be afraid and was, you know, fighting for her life. And um, Breonna Taylor, of course, being a Louisville resident myself, and she is as well, um, Brianna bears a striking resemblance to my niece. And my niece wow. is also in, you know, healthcare and, you know, lives alone and works really hard, just like Brianna Taylor. And, um, you know, it just, it just really, really bothered me. And so as those events were taking place, that was the beginning and the onset of the pandemic with COVID. Yeah. And um, I was very much wanting to get out and protest, but at the same time, you know, I have a mother who is up in age. I won't share her age because I don't want to get in trouble. But, you know, I needed to ensure that I, and this was before a vaccine was available, mm -hmm. and I needed to ensure that I was safe so that if I needed to get to her to take care of her, do whatever, right. I could do that. So actually protesting in the streets was not an option to me for me for that reason. So what I determined is social media would become my streets of protest. And so whereas I have been very careful and very guarded and sharing my views and expressions only on Facebook, I took my concerns to LinkedIn. Um, and one of the reasons I did that is because, you know, my, among my LinkedIn community are other continuous improvement professionals. And I felt like, you know, we have that experience of working and rallying and gathering teams to explore issues and take a scientific methodological approach to improve matters and situations. And I said, you know, as it relates to what we see and what we need to address in racism, it's no different. And so I started posting more on social media, very nervous about it. But at the time I was a senior executive and I wanted people to understand just because I have a degree or I have a title or what have you, I am not exempt from the things that we're seeing in the news. As a black woman, when I am driving, anytime I hear a police siren, I get nervous and I can be driving the speed limit, have my safety belt on, insurance tags current, but driving while black is a real fear for me. And I can just go on a number of things that we deal with in everyday life that are part of our reality and things we have to consider for survival. So my point was, is that, you know, as a professional, I'm using uh, air quotes here, as a professional in this professional C-suite role, mm -hmm. that that is a very real fear for Black people about just being able to exist and being able to live. And we needed to talk about that. And so um, the majority of my posts were very well received. And of course, with LinkedIn, you have your trolls, but we didn't feed the trolls. Um, instead, what happened is more and more continuous improvement colleagues began to step up and they you know, began to share and post more. And then uh, one colleague in particular, Mark Graben, 
was very well respected in the continuous improvement lean community and healthcare community mm -hmm. um, is probably a, one of the pioneers in lean who started blogging uh, about lean methodologies, reached out to me and asked, would I be interested in you know, sharing his blog and, and, and going into more detail and writing about hashtag root cause racism. He had been following some of the posts. And I said, instead, what I would like to do is a blog series where I invited other continuous improvement colleagues, people from different spaces, from the space of government, education, healthcare, business, and the arts. Mm -hmm. And what we talked about sharing our vision of using continuous improvement, taking that one small step, really exploring in these different industries and in these different areas and capacities where racism is, exists, well, let's get to the root cause and then identify what are steps, what are countermeasures, what are things we can do within our circles of influence to begin to reverse what we would see. So we started out as a blog series. Mm -hmm. um, we also did a, a panel discussion. We did a webinar and the entire blog series and any webinar that we've done for the Root Cause Racism series, it's on the Root Cause Racism website. So after we did that first series, it was just, a game changer. Uh, people, the, the concept of applying continuous improvement to address systemic racism, it really resonated with people. And so um, from there, it has just begun to grow. Um, it led to me resigning and leaving my C-suite position and being off on my own because I said, I want to do more of this. I want to spend every waking hour I have creating a better world for our future, for our children, for baby Jay and for my niece Kia and other children. And so that's where we are. And so what I find that's interesting now is, you know, I have been approached by companies and organizations and what they'll say to me is, DeAndra, we would like for onto the next one to come in and do root cause racism. And I remember the first time I got asked that question, I was like, well, what do you mean by that? Because I wanted to make sure we were on the same page. Right. Mm -hmm. And they said that they found that that was really interesting. And um, they wanted to learn more about applying continuous improvement to the work of undoing racism and especially the work of operationalizing diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility in the workplace. And so that's where we are today. Wow. Um, I think that is, I won't even say interesting. I think that is a huge step to put that out. And then for the connection to be made on social media, like you say, you didn't have time to get out in the streets and march and protest and do all of that, but you went to the digital streets and you got in the digital mm -hmm. streets and, you know, did your protest there. Um, I, I don't know if you remember like, you know, years ago when video games just really start ramping up and, you know, a few, th nowhere near as bad as it is now, but something mm -hmm. started happening with, you know, the games and fighting and shooting and things like that. And they was blaming it on the video games. Um, do you think some of that now is being blamed on movies that's being put, it, put out? Uh, you know, one is like uh, The Purge. Uh, that's out where you just free willy go do what you want to do because uh, I remember a statement that was in the news and again mm -hmm. you know news sometimes you can't really quote everything but it was said the shooting up in Buffalo that um, the guy 
passed by a white man was like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't mean to, to frighten you, but kept going through the store. And his mission was to purge that area of black people. And mm -hmm. I thought, I'm like, how dare you? you know, think that you're God, that you're a judge, you know, you're the jury to say no more black people need to be on here. And I'm going to do my part to purge this area of black people. You specifically went to that area to purge that area. That was your goal. Do you think some of that is blamed on some of the things that's put out in these movies and how people are really taking that into like it's reality? Mm -hmm. Wow. So that is a, a really... That is, um, you, you've got me thinking deeply um, uh -oh. to respond to that question. <laughs> and, and, and I want to make sure that I don't take over the podcast with this answer, that there's a couple of different directions I want to go. So I really want to narrow and, and stay on straight street. You know, um, in scripture, it talks about how we need to guard our gates and guard our our eyes, what it is we see, we guard our ears, what it is that we hear, and um, how all of those things affect our mind. And, you know, there's a saying, so a man thinketh, so is he, or so, you know, what he does. And, yeah. and then, and, and what it is that, that I practice, and other continuous improvement colleagues practice, especially for those of us who follow the Toyota Kata, which is based on Mike Rother's research, and how it, it talks about, it's a way of doing and talks about scientific thinking, but it begins with really tapping to the creativity that we all have. Um, um, it's, it's a pattern and it's these steps of a way of thinking because as we think, you know, that takes on an action and that, you know, whenever it is we're looking to change or build a new habit, it starts out with what is it we tell ourselves? What is it? What are the tapes that we play in our mind? And so with that, I'm I'm not a movie buff, and I'm not one of those who's done extensive research in terms of how things we see in the media connect with what's played out into reality. However, I do believe there is a connection um, because you know we inundate ourselves. You know we you know our phones are never more than you know. A few seconds away from us, and even if we're not online, we get the reminders. Oh, you've got an alert that pulls you into social media. And so, one of the things that we have to be careful about is what we allow ourselves to believe, and how it is those beliefs can turn into convictions. And that is another reason why the work that we do with root cause racism is so important, because. One of the things we need to be mindful of is being careful not to jump to conclusions and make assumptions. You know, you have your hair up in a bun. I have my hair up in a bun. So I'm going to make this judgment that all women who have their hair up in a bun were smarter and better than anyone else. Well, that doesn't make any sense. You can't, you know, just speed ahead, make these judgments based on you know, surface information and not really digging deep. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot now. You know, even in social media, some of these debates and arguments that people get into, it's not based on fact, it's not based on data. And if anything, it's fake news. Sometimes information is being warped and twisted and manipulated to right. get across whatever point is on someone's agenda. 
And so, you know, that's another part of why these blog series are so important in making the connection between continuous improvement and doing the work to undo racism because it, it starts with getting at the root, looking at data, the mm -hmm. storytelling, what a person's real experience. You know, it's in our human nature to jump to conclusions. And, you know, we, we've seen this before, we've experienced before, and we, we know what the answer is. We just want to go ahead and do it. But what we teach and what we practice is in continuous improvement is don't be so certain. Don't be so sure. Take the time to go and see. Take the time to go and learn. Take the time to review data and to talk to the individual that's closest to the process or is experiencing whatever it is they're experiencing. And that same type of mindset and practice can apply to the work we're doing to undo racism and specifically along the lines of, you know, looking at what we're doing in the workplace around diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. You know, regardless of what assumptions we make about people based on what we see in the news or what we see on social media, every person is unique and different. Take the time to get to know what is really going on. Take the time to understand what is really happening in the situation. How do we get here? And if more people began to take on that mindset, we would see a really huge shift in some of the things that we're experiencing. And going back to you know, your original question, where you know, people are talking about, well, we're being influenced, there are people being influenced by movies. And there are people being influenced by these games and what they're saying on social media. Well, the connecting thread through all of that is how much of that is facts? How much of that is data versus people jumping to conclusions based on their own biases and assumptions? And then where does that lead us? Sometimes not in a good place. No, you are absolutely right. And that kind of, you know, takes me into, you know, segue into the next is like, you know, I know, you know, you work with a lot of organizations and groups and, you know, same thing with, you know, what you see, what are the facts, you know, do you have the data? Are you assuming, you know, where are you with the decision that you've come up with? So, you know, working with these organizations and I always like to start at the top. You know, we're starting with these leaders, executives, where they want to, you know, have improvement. They want to change. They want to do all these different things. But where is your data? You know, why haven't you dug deep and really talked to the departments that's actually doing the work instead of from a high level? You're just looking down and say, oh, okay, well, this looks like this isn't work. This looks like it may not be the right thing mm -hmm. instead of really you know, swim in the deep end of the ocean and, you know, get to them in that dark part of the ocean where you don't see anything, get down deep in there and start talking to people, you know, how is this working? Why is this not working? What are some of your mm -hmm. issues? What are your concerns? But going into where they are properly trained to understand how to connect with those employees. Because it's just that human nature that they have, and so many things have happened in, in various you know, situations where we're limited to what we can say. We're told it's an open door policy. We're told, let me know, we're here, come let us know. But the reality is 
You're limited on what you can say, what you should not say, and how you should approach any leader because you have the fear of retaliation. You have the fear of losing a job. You have the fear of not getting a raise. I mean, we could go on and on and on on different things that a person can have a fear of, but how can that be transitioned into these organizations for these leaders to really understand that get the right data, not hearsay and what you think you see, how can they really transition that to continually improve not only the company and the organization to increase their profits, but really dig deep and get in there and find out the reality of what's going on. So Melissa, you've already touched on it. Um, it begins with the leaders, you know, senior leaders, the decision makers, those who have influenced, those who provide the direction, who share the vision, um, who, you know, really give guidance to what is included in the strategic plan. And so it begins with those, those leaders. Um, the other thing that is so important, and this is what I talk about a lot in the work that I do with uh, strategic visioning and what I do with strategic planning, because it's important for leaders to know what direction the organization is going in with that strategic plan, but it's important to cascade that throughout the organization. Um, you know, those who are closest to the process need to know what's going on. And not only that, they need to have, um, it needs to be two-way communication. So where it's not just coming from one side and saying it's this way or no way, but it's important to have that feedback loop so that people can share information as they're learning it, different things that they're experiencing. And you, you like you said, data is important. Data is not only the spreadsheets and the numbers that we crunch, part of that data is having that interaction, um, talking to those employees, having those listening groups, um, those lunch and learn sessions. And, and it's one thing to say, oh, we have an open door policy. Do we really have an open door where when people are speaking, yeah. that you're listening to them and that people can tell that they're being heard. Because as soon as an, an employee understands or realizes, I'm just talking into the wind and what I'm saying is like spaghetti hitting the wall and it's gonna slide right off. Well then, you know, they don't feel engaged. They don't feel like they belong. They don't feel like they're included. And then they'll keep those ideas to themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you often hear people talk about, oh, diversity, equity, inclusion, it's good for the bottom line. Da, da, da. No, it's, <laughs> it's the right thing to do. Period, because we're dealing with human beings mm -hmm. in a workplace together. And it's important that folks know that they are valued and that their contribution matters. And so it's, it's really important that, um, that we really come together, that we collaborate, that we recognize that, you know, some of the best ideas can come from the C-suite, they can come from engineering, they can come from a recent new hire. But it's about creating those opportunities where people can communicate and be heard without fear. And, you know, with what you were talking about is the concern with retaliation. It's so true, especially when you may, you, you'll, you'll hear that expression, bring your whole self to work. Well, then when a person really starts bringing their whole self to work, <laughs> then you jump to conclusions and make these assumptions yeah. about them where it shuts down to where they right. feel like, 
I've got to put that mask on. Yep. And I've got to code switch in order to survive so that when it's review time, I'm not being judged on something that has nothing to do with my performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to go along to get along. And it's um, and as soon as leaders realize the how much they have influence on how engaged employees are in terms of, like I said, just allowing them to speak and be heard, that is what really, 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 really makes a difference. Wow. So Les, you mentioned uh, strategic uh, visioning. What is that? What's the purpose of strategic visioning? So strategic visioning um, started out with, I remember I did my very first uh, vision board. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was in that um, session and it was it was kind of like a girl's night out. It was, um, I was with some of my sorority sisters and we went through this vision board. Mm-hmm. But as a facilitator was talking, it's like her words went in one ear and then translated into the steps of the improvement cot in my mind and then came out another way. And so the way I did my vision board had continuous improvement embedded in it. And mm-hmm. what I started doing is then I started facilitating vision board workshops. And uh, one person who happens to be a leader, a very successful author, um, just um, a powerhouse, her name is Tamara Winfrey Harris, said to me, and, and we do get together every year and do her vision boards. Um, she said to me, you need to stop calling these vision boards, just plain old vision boards. She said, be, you need to call them strategic vision boards because they are game changers in terms of how it is you go about connecting to your purpose, connecting to your why and executing based on that. So from doing those workshops um, and, I, and just historically in my career, I've always done strategic planning. So now what strategic visioning is about or the strategic visioning experience is connecting organizations, people, groups, individuals, nonprofit, whomever to their purpose, to their why. Why are they in business to do what they do? Why are they on this planet? And once that why is understood, the direction of what it is they're wanting to accomplish, well, then looking at, you know, where do you see yourself in the long term and, you know, one to three years out? And then looking at the steps that need to be taken using continuous improvement and also focusing on diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility as a part of policy and practice, operationalizing. It's not just a banner on the website or a statement that you see when you walk in the door. It's a part of every aspect of the organization. So strategic visioning is about linking strategic planning, executing that strategic plan through the use of continuous improvement and applying diversity, equity, and inclusion and accessibility so that these changes that we are being made are not only good for the external customer, but it's good for the employees as well because they are a key part of, of getting this work done and they are part of the process. And so, um, and that's that's the work I do like with companies who have these big, huge, audacious goals or they're struggling with the development of their diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. And you know what I guide them through is you just can't segment this out. It all works together. It's all integrated. That is so true is that, you know, when you're working with these companies, they want you to try to hit one piece, 
but it's all linked. And if you don't hit all of these things, mm -hmm. then, you know, what's the point? You know, it, you're defeating the purpose right. um, with it. Right. And, you know, another thing that, you know, I share with, you know, some of the uh, people I work with in my, my other companies, you know, when you're working with these leaders, we have so many things out there that say leadership training. Did your leaders go to training? You know, are you going to leadership training? But you're not really hitting the point because you're putting all these people in one big room and you're having a general conversation with them about what leaders should do and all of these check boxes that you should check. But within all of these leaders that's in the room, all of them have different concerns. They have different issues. They have um, different things that they need help with. And it's not a general conversation. Mm -hmm. So how many times are you going to break out these leaders and say, okay, let's segment this group. We're going to do you for this, do you for this, and just, you know, have different groups and maybe bring them for a general conversation. But if you're not really hitting those points that these leaders need, you're mm -hmm. still defeating the purpose of having a general leadership uh, training. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm saying that to kind of segue into a little bit, and it's almost like we're going backwards a little, but, you know, with everything that we talked about with the whys, the data, you know, all these things that's needed, would you say that is uh, what made you get into um, training, development, and continuous improvement? You know, um, what made me get into it was and is my love for people. And one, you know, you hear that, I'm a people person, <laughs> Well, what I mean by I'm a people person yeah. is, because you right. hear that, I'm a people person. And right. I may hear the burp, 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 but yeah. I'm a people person. And so, but what I mean when I say I'm a people person, um, especially in the workplace, I have had some, some successes. I've had some mountaintop moments. Mm -hmm. I've had some valley experiences as well. And some of those valley experiences were, were because of the fact that, you know, I'm a black full-figured woman in leadership. Mm -hmm. And from that, um, you know, there were some unpleasantries that I, I dealt with. So, you know, what my desire and goal is, and this is what drives me every day is one, I want people to be connected to their purpose. I want them to understand their higher good. Why is it they're here on this planet? Uh, for businesses, what is it that, what is their why in terms of the service or product that they're offering to right. connect them to that? And then, you know, with this work, and especially for senior leaders, they have a heavy burden and a heavy, heavy mantle on their shoulder. You know, they're expected mm -hmm. to have all the answers and, um, you know, just, uh, you know, be, you know, perfectionist in a sense. And that's unrealistic. Everyone has something they're struggling with. And what you're talking about is, you know, leaders face different things and, and no two leader situations are exactly the same. They may be similar. Mm -hmm. And why I enjoy doing this work is to help lift that burden, to use continuous improvement to show Yes, you have this, what seems like an insurmountable goal to accomplish, mm -hmm. but whatever this insurmountable goal is, it's worthwhile because it's connected to your purpose, but let's break it down into bite-sized pieces where it doesn't feel so overwhelming. And let me coach, let me mentor, let me guide you along the way so where you can take one step at a time 
accomplish whatever milestone you need to accomplish and then move on to the next one. See mm-hmm. what I did there? That on to the next one. But anyway, and so that's <laughs> what it's about. And so, yeah, on to the next one. And so with training, I don't see training as, okay, we're going to open your book. You're going to check this off. But new information that is shared mm-hmm. that is life-changing and that can help a person develop and get closer to whatever it is that they're aspiring to achieve or whatever new skill they're wanting to develop or whatever it is that they have their sights on. And when people have that light bulb moment, when when something clicks or when they like, you know, I've been wrestling with this and now it makes so much sense or, oh my goodness, I have my answer. That brings me so much joy. Um, And so that's what it has always, I've been teaching since I was, I think I started teaching Sunday school when I was nine and I taught, you know, teenagers and young adults. And I've always been in some type of teaching role because of the excitement I get when people get it and whatever that it is and those light bulb moments that connects them to something that is really, really meaningful and that's helpful Mm -hmm. to them with wherever they are in their journey. Wow. This has been an enlightening and pleasant conversation and we could go on and on and on and on, but I mean, it's so many conversations behind, you know, training, you know, continuous improvement, DEI, you know, all these different things. And the sad part is, is that none of this is new. Some people think it's new because, you know, post-pandemic, oh, Mm -hmm. DEI and all of this is, it's like a huge spotlight has been put on all these different things. I'm like, that's not new. And I was like, this is, this is not new. It's been going on for decades, you know? So, you know, I will say it is a positive thing that the spotlight is on all of these things right now, because no, everyone still do not get it, but there is a huge number that's starting to get it and and they're raising their hand. Hey, we need help. They're Mm -hmm. reaching out to you. Hey, we need you to come talk to us about this. Educate us, help us to understand. So they're they're wanting to know now. It's like, I didn't think about it that way. So, you know, I can appreciate the spotlight today. So um, with that being said, is there any ending thoughts that you want to leave with the listeners? Yes, and I'm going to piggyback on what you said about oh, the spotlight is on this today, specifically with diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. And here's what I want to say about the spotlight. And this is what I share with clients I work with. Sometimes they come to our discovery sessions with a little bit of shame and they will say, we should be further along. We're so embarrassed that we're not already at X. Mm -hmm. And this is why continuous improvement is so important because in your pursuit of of your future state that you're working towards, your current state is just that. It's your current state. Look at it as it is what it is without judgment. Gather your data. You know what your starting point is. You know how far you are from where it is you need to go. And at least you're on that path. Give yourself credit for that. And then while then, what I want to say to all of us who are working in the space to advance equity, advance inclusion, Um, to to help organizations be successful. While the spotlight is on, this is another hashtag I like to use, keep your foot on the gas. Mm. Um, 
you know, do not give up. You know, when I talked about Brianna Taylor, you know, her, her family still has not received justice. I will not stop talking about Brianna Taylor. You know, I have a painting that I did of her in, in my background. She is always on my mind. Mm-hmm. And that is that we have to dig our heels in and be determined for those things that we're passionate about and where we want to see change and where we want to see things improve, that we have to dig our heels in, keep our foot on the gas, identify that one thing that we need to do that can move that needle, work scientifically, you know, experiment, do what we need to do to figure it out, to accomplish that one thing. And then don't stop there. Keep moving on to the next one until we take our last breath so that we are leaving a legacy for this next generation, for our children, for our loved ones. We're leaving them in a better position than how we found things. And so I would just encourage people not to get weak. It can be frustrating. You can get tired. But whatever it is, don't give up. Rest, but don't give up. And Keep moving on to the next one. On to the next. Wow. I love that. Let everyone know how they can reach out to you, get connected, and just follow you in your blog. Sure. So the best way to connect with me is through my name, Deandra Wardell, D-E-O-N-D-R-A, and then Wardell, W-A-R-D-E-L-L-E. My website is DeandraWardell.com. And by going to that website, that takes you to all my social media channels. And on the home page, it also explains the hashtag root cause racism movement. And it provides you with links that take you to the root cause racism website and the root cause racism blog series and webinars. Um, Also, if you're interested in learning more about anything we talked about today, there's an opportunity on my website where you can schedule a meeting with me to discuss next steps of maybe where you or your organization would want to go. But the best place to start is that website, DeAndraWardell.com. Thank you so much. Follow us on our Instagram at SavvyMagBiz and on our YouTube channel, Savvy the Business Podcast. Do you want your business in front of an international audience? Advertise with us today. Savvy the Business Podcast. Send us an email at media at SavvyMag.biz. That's media at S-A-V-V-Y-M-A-G dot B-I-Z. Send it today. Don't get left out. Thank you for joining us on Savvy, the business podcast. If you want to be a guest, send an email to media at SavvyMag.biz. That's media at S-A-V-V-Y-M-A-G dot B-I-Z. Don't miss out on the opportunity to be heard by millions.